Okay, so welcome everybody. Have a happy Monday. My name is Meg. I'm here from Powered from, uh, Power to Fly and I'm super excited to dig in on today's office hour session with you and our guest, uh, Lamore, who is head of our Power to Fly mentorship program. So before we get started, I do have a couple quick housekeeping items, just really quick here for you guys. Um, just so you're aware, if you want to participate, great. We really love and encourage audience participation. So please feel free to turn your cameras, come off mute. If you have questions or comments that you'd like to make, please feel free to interrupt me. But if anybody else is speaking, try not to interrupt them if they're talking. Um, put yourself back on mute when you're not actively speaking. And you're also more than welcome to share questions or comments into the Zoom chat. If you'd like a question raised anonymously, just send it to me directly instead of to everyone in the drop down feature on the Zoom chat. And today's being recorded and we're also broadcasting live to YouTube. So if you have um, a question or want to review this um, after, you know, after the, the chat is over, you can head over to YouTube and see it right away. Or you can um, take a look at our website. We'll be sending out uh, emails with a rewatch link to everybody that registered for today's event. So without much ado, let's get on to Lamore. Um, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Lamore, would you like to introduce yourself to the people who are joining that maybe haven't um, been on a chat and learned with you before? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Megan. So hi, everyone. I'm Lamore, and I'm the director of mentorship at Power to Fly, as you mentioned. And my background is software engineering. I was uh, leading engineering teams for many years. My last role before joining Power to Fly was director of, of uh, engineering at DigitalOcean. And that's how I got to know Power to Fly, because uh, we worked together and Power to Fly helped us hire women to my organization. And uh, that's pretty much it. And we're gonna talk today about how to build product and to build people. So I'm super excited about this call. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for joining us today. All right, um, so let's get to some of the questions that were submitted previously. If you have your own question that you would like raised, please feel free to come off mute or put it into the chat and we will um, obviously prioritize questions of people who are here to hear the response. So please feel free to do that. Um, Let's see here. All right, so one of our first questions was, what is something you have found most women struggle with or what do you think is the biggest obstacle in the tech industry? Yeah, that's a great question. And obviously I, I uh, talk only from my personal experience. So uh, I, I found women in general um, not to feel very comfortable applying to positions. And I've seen that as, as a hiring manager, I've seen that a lot. So I get a lot of men applicants and, and almost zero women. And some of it is obviously because there are less women in tech, but some of it is because women feel uncomfortable applying to a position unless they feel all the prerequisites for that position. And men, on the other hand, do feel comfortable applying, even though they don't, you know, check all the boxes and typically no one check all the boxes. So I found that, uh, you know, um, very unfortunate because what happened for women that they just, you know, are missing on, on great opportunities. I also noticed that women do not feel comfortable negotiating on salary um, and asking for a raise or promotion. And when I had women in my organization, I, I I usually had to push them a lot to figure out what they want to do and how I can help them grow. And obviously on the salary and promotion side, I had to be more, you know, forthcoming 
But again, this is something that, that I wish women uh, did more because I, I'm not saying that you should not uh, prove yourself and then be promoted or, or get a raise, but you also need to be able to ask for it. It's very, very important to advocate for yourself and ask for what you deserve. Uh, so in general, I think that women um, think that if they work hard, they will be recognized and promoted. Uh, but the truth is that hard work, work is not enough. Uh, I'm not saying don't work hard, but you need to advocate for yourself. You need to showcase your achievement and ask for what you deserve, whether it's a promotion, it's a raise or, or something else. So just from a personal perspective, do you think that women don't, that, that women um, in general don't make those waves and don't ask for these things because they assume that it's just going to come as part of the natural transition? Or do you think it's because they don't know how to start the conversation or they feel awkward talking about money? Or do you think it's somewhere in the middle or maybe some I, I think it's probably a combination and I can obviously talk only from personal experience. I mean, when I started off, I thought, oh, if I work hard, you know, I will be promoted. But eventually, um, I became an engineering manager because I applied internally uh, to a position and because I advocated for myself and I found someone to advocate for me. And I was promoted to senior levels and to a director because I asked for that and because I demanded my manager to show me what is the path for me to get to the next level. So based on my experience, uh, it's not enough. And, and uh, it's, it feels uncomfortable. It felt uncomfortable to me to do that, but I did it anyway. And also the money thing is something that I learned throughout the years. As when I was at the beginning of my career, I didn't feel comfortable at all to talk about money. But as I became more experienced and more confident in myself, I felt more comfortable asking for what I deserved and when you ask more, you get more. Typically, that's what happens. I think that's a really good point to make, right? Is that if you, if you are not comfortable early on, try and figure out those reasons why you're not comfortable. Is it because you feel like you don't know how to have the conversation? Is it because you feel like you um, maybe haven't done enough or, or are not meeting certain goals or something? Or maybe, like I said, to kind of get ahead of myself, actually, is if you if you don't even know what your metrics could be for the, this kind of evaluation, like even just having a conversation with your supervisor or with your boss that that gives you uh, some kind of idea of a rubric that you can hold yourself to, so that that way you would know when you would be in a in a better position or maybe in a more solid position to ask for a raise. Okay, so all right, so then going back to some of the questions that we were asked earlier here, um, one of the other questions asks. Uh, how do you encourage and build cohesive engineering teams with using your own leadership skills? Yeah, so I think that uh, what is really important um, when you manage a team is to have a mission statement for the team. Like, what is this team uh, doing? What is the mission of the team? And also to define a vision for this team. A vision and, you know, a roadmap for what they're going to do. And, and that kind of, when, when a team have a general, a, a, you know, a common mission and they are all behind it and they understand what's the roadmap, they work better together towards the same goals. And when teams do not know what is their, you know, and it's always better 
to overdo it than not to do it. Because I noticed that a lot of times when I thought that it was clear to everyone what we're doing, it wasn't. So it's very, very important to make sure everyone is on the same page about what we're doing, why we're doing that, and where do we want to get to. Um, another thing that I personally, you know, um, was, you know, doing, you know, in the past and learned not to do is to compare people. Like, oh, this person did that. Why are you not? It's very dangerous to walk that path. And I learned it the hard way. Do not compare people to each other. Work with each person individually about what you expect them to do. And if there is some behavior or some, you know, something that you don't uh, uh, like, just be transparent about what, what is your expectation. When you compare people, it creates tension. It creates create competition between people and, and, and just hurt the team as a whole. Um, and also uh, it's very important to, to recognize people and so many companies are not doing it enough. And I, I also, you know, uh, uh, not doing this enough because you need to constantly remind yourself. And again, I'm not talking about doing it artificially, but I'm talking about really thinking about what are people are doing and, and what are doing well and how do you recognize them and not just about the money it's about finding way to recognize them recognition could be do a demo at the company event it could be sending someone to a conference and it could be even purchasing a gift card or or giving them a book or investing in their future anything uh, again it doesn't have to come to money but it's really important for people to feel that they are recognized, that you notice what they're doing. And it has to be specific, not just say, hey, you did a great job. It needs to be very specific. So people know that you care about them, that you notice what they do, and you care about their future. Um, and that's something that is probably harder to do right now. But um, I work remote for four and a half years, and I feel very comfortable working remote. COVID-19 didn't change my life in that aspect. But before COVID-19, I always try to get people together physically, you know, every few months. It's really important to kind of get people out of their, you know, work environment and have something, you know, also do meetings about work, but also have some fun together. And, you know, we did a lot of great uh, stuff, uh, DigitalOcean, we did rafting, we did, you know, different kind of team activities that really open people up and help them connect on a different level. Yeah. I love how you call that out about how, about like um, giving people recognition, but not in an artificial way. Cause I think that's a really good way to describe it. Like you could be recognized. I feel like times in my life or, or places that I've worked where I didn't really buy into the whole like dog and pony show of like, here, everybody gets a gold star and a cookie. Like yeah. part of that was because I feel like they were kind of doing the participation trophy angle of like, you're all special. Everybody's doing a good job and here's where we're going to celebrate everyone. But yeah, you're right. The other way to do that is, or the other way to kind of hit that artificiality mark would be giving somebody some kind of reward or recognition that doesn't really help them. and doesn't really move them forward. So yeah, I think that idea of like giving somebody a book that would help their development or, you know, something that, that says like, I am invested in your future. I think that you're doing a great job. Thank you for that. Here's how we can keep improving you. Um, I feel like that's a really great way to put that and a really great way to do it. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. My pleasure. 
Um, okay, so one of our, our follow-up questions asks, how, have you had to adjust your approach to leadership and mentorship when working with teams of different sizes? Um, and I'm actually really curious about this. Yeah, so actually I thought about this question. I mean, I, I don't know if I adjusted my approach to different sizes, but I do, my approach to leadership is that there is no one way of doing things. I always adjusted myself to people I manage, both individually and teams. And I'll give some examples. Um, when, I, when I worked at VMware, I managed um, teams that were very different from each other. One team, for example, was very, very heavy on the process, much more than I am, typically. So I, I, I don't try to enforce my way, at least not at the beginning. When I, when I manage teams, I try to help teams work the best they can with how they feel comfortable working. So they were heavy on the process. So I was like, okay, let's, let's do that your way. If I noticed that the process was, you know, taking too much time, I would try to kind of ask questions about whether they feel those meetings are really necessary, but I really try to help them uh, work their ways. And while there were other teams that really didn't like too much process, and I try to work with them with the way that works best for them. So I really try to adjust myself uh, to how teams prefer to operate as long as it's working and I feel like the team is effective. If something is not working well and I feel a change is needed, then I will enforce change. Like, for example, um, at DigitalOcean, there were times like that I felt because uh, the teams are remote, I felt like teams are not communicating enough with each other. And they're like, there are at least one team that didn't like to meet. They were meeting once a week and said, it's not enough because you're not in the same office space and I tr try to enforce more communication. So I typically try to let them work with the way they feel comfortable and enforce changes only if I feel that they are necessary. Uh, about the sizes, I mean, I think that one thing that I can say about this, that uh, at DigitalOcean, I started managing a small team and then we grew and grew and grew. And, and at some point I felt like the team was too big. So I try to kind of uh, divide and conquer, uh, keep the whole team together, but only, you know, not meet very, very frequently at the whole team level and try to divide them and grow leaders uh, into a smaller teams. I know it doesn't answer directly the question, but I, I really didn't have uh, any specific things about team sizes. No, I think that's a good way to answer because if it's, you know, I feel like people ask these questions sometimes because they have a personal situation that they're trying to get a handle on. But I feel like other times that they're, they're almost like borrow, not borrowing trouble isn't the right way to put it, but kind of like troubleshooting problems that they think might come up as opposed to the problems, like waiting for those problems to happen organically. And there's a lot of ways, people, like reasons people do this. I understand it, but yeah, I think you're right. If if you haven't found that size really makes a difference in the team, you know, it might be down to the teams you've been working with. It might be that your management style really translates very well. Um, I feel like it's the way that the question was worded in my mind was kind of seemed to be coming from a place where they assumed that leadership and that mentorship um, within a team had to happen in a one-on-one -on -one situation. It's, it seems like they were thinking well, you have to have all of this time to dedicate to each individual employee or each individual team member. 
And so aren't after a certain point, aren't you going to kind of run out of hours in the day to do that in addition to the rest of your, of your leadership skills, yeah. leadership tasks rather. And, and, and another note is that uh, typically I recommend not managing directly more than eight to 10 people. When it gets to this number, it's really hard because as you said, you don't have enough time to dedicate to each person individually because I did want the people I manage and especially when managing remote, I, I met with everyone every week. And when you have more than 10 people, it gets many, you know, it, it gets a lot, you know, very time consuming. It's just the one-on-ones. So it gets really difficult to do that. Oh, for sure. Um, okay. So coming back to the idea of these remote teams, um, how do you manage to keep a team motivated, especially while everyone is working remotely? Now, I think this question, again, seems to come from a place where people are maybe not work, not used to working in, in a remote team or a remote situation. Um, but like you, you had some really great ideas on like ways that you had brought teams together or things you recommended teams do. How do you change those ideas or how do you keep that team motivated when they are fully remote? There's no interaction or at least no physical interaction. Yeah, uh, which is challenging. I mean, especially if you hire people throughout that time and people, because it's easier to manage the, the team remote when people know each other and they work with each other and they met each other. When there are new people, it's harder to do that. Uh, I try to keep open communication as much as possible and have the team meet virtually um, as much as possible. I think it's best if they meet even daily just for a short period of time, but not all teams like this daily stand-up thing. Some teams prefer to meet less frequently and uh, keeping, you know, the discussions open on Slack and make sure also people communicate in a respectful manner. Uh, sometimes people don't do that intentionally, but that, that's the challenge when working remotely, that you're missing certain aspects, right? If someone sends a Slack message and, um, someone may interpret that as insulting while the person didn't mean that. So kind of watching the type of words that people choose is very, very important and giving feedback. If someone didn't use the right words, just giving feedback and make sure that people feel comfortable. Um, and as I mentioned before, I mean, this is generic, not just for remote, uh, having the team around the same mission and understanding what they're doing, especially in times of uncertainty, it's really important to give certainty in time of uncertainty. Even if you don't know exactly what's going to happen, try to think about, okay, I don't know what's going to happen in a quarter. Let's try to figure out what we're doing in the next month. If you can't figure out what you're doing in the next month, what you're doing in the next two weeks, at least because people operate well when they know what they're doing. If people don't understand where, where they're going, they feel lost and then motivation just start to, you know, go downhill. Oh, absolutely. It, um, I feel like I can't remember the speaker that said it, but we had a speaker a couple of months ago who talked about when you're, when you have these teams, what you're really trying to build is trust. And that's what that communication between pe between people, um, not just, you know, leadership and, you know, yeah. um, supervised employees is about, but it's, it's also very important between, you know, these coworkers that work together on these teams side by side. And so yeah. you're right. Like if you don't build that trust to start with, you can try every motivational trick in the book and throw everything you have at these people, but it's not going to work if they don't have faith that they're all working 
towards the same thing, or that if there's going to be a problem, they will be let in on that so that they can help be a part of the solution as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, someone, one of our mentors mentioned that in another office hours about, uh, you know, uh, code reviews, which, which is something I found very, very uh, important, that it's really important to watch the language that people use also in code reviews and make sure that they're, you know, they're not too harsh on each other because that can hurt. And I had, I had an engineer that was new in the team and, and the team didn't meet them face to face and they started working together. It was getting a little bit rough on the edges because people, they gave comment, their style, right? Some people are very direct and they give comments, but you need to, to understand that your comments may seem insulting to the other person. So you need to be very, very careful about uh, the language that you use, especially when it's written. And another thing that I want to mention specifically on the remote thing and specifically during this time, uh, have empathy, have empathy to people, understand that they are at home. A lot of times their kids are at home, their families are at home. So try to be patient and, uh, you know, um, and flexible. If someone cannot join a stand-up because they have to take care of a kid, that's okay. Like, because when you show flexibility, when you show that you care about them, uh, it pays off. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think that that idea of not necessarily watching what you're saying, but treating other people with a little bit more, like a little bit more kid gloves, a little bit more padding than normally we would, because everybody, you know, everybody's under stress right now. Everybody's dealing with a brand new situation. But like you said, especially with a new team member, because you don't have that rapport built up with that person. So you say something that the rest of the team understands as not being like in evisceration of your entire coding style, but that new team members understand that there's that certain level of camaraderie and everything that, that the team, the rest of the team has already built up. So yeah, especially with a new team member, definitely like watching, not, not watching what you're saying, but making sure that you are being clear with what you're saying so that there's no chance to be misunderstood as more aggressive or more confrontational or more hurtful than what you're intending, um, especially for a work situation. You know, it's not personal, it's what you're working on. And so everybody, you know, there's no, there's no reason to be per attacking other people personally as well. So yeah, all right. So one of the questions that we got a lot was, um, it was actually repeated three times in our submissions, which was kind of cool. Um, with all your experience mentoring people in the software engineering industry, what would you say the top three to five keys to being successful in this industry is? A lot of people wanted to know like, what would you recommend or what, you know, what behaviors to stay away from, but it can really be really helpful to know what things you can work on. Absolutely. And this is something that uh, is very unique also, uh, uh, especially to software engineers. I think one of the areas that is very, very important to me uh, is communication. It's not just to me, to everyone. And, and this is also not one of the, in general, I'm talking generically, one of the weaknesses, especially of people that are very technical and that they don't always communicate very well. So communication is very, very important. Uh, be able to communicate well with different kinds of people because as I said, I need as a manager to adjust myself to people I manage. So it, it goes also for peers. You need to really adjust your language and how you operate depending on the person you are, you are working with. So the more you are able to communicate well with different people, the more successful you'll be. Uh, learn also how to listen uh, to others. That's another thing that I notice a lot of engineers, especially when like they have ideas and they just want to, 
you know, uh, their ideas to win. So listen to others, be open-minded, be humble. And no matter how experienced you are, I really appreciate people that are humble and understand that they know, don't know everything and there is always something to learn, even from people that are much less experienced. And in those environments where people are curious and they wanna hear each other opinions, that's where great things happen. Um, always, uh, I always uh, want people to be curious and want to learn. As I said, no matter you know how experienced you are, there's always, always things that you can learn. Um, and you know, uh, always question the status quo. I mean, it, especially if you are doing the, you know, if you're joining a team or if you're doing something for a long time, question if what you're doing is the right thing or whether some things can change. A lot of people get fixated about things that they are doing, especially if they're working in the same company for a while. So try to be open-minded and question things you have maybe decided upon maybe years ago, maybe now it's time to change them. Very good point. Thank you for that. All right, so humble, curious, and questioning. Um, I think those are really, really good. Um, just out of personal curiosity, how do, you, how do you think is the best, or what do you think is some of the best ways to balance that, that humility? Because I know like a lot of times people say that they have imposter syndrome or that they, um, they have trouble kind of presenting their own ideas with confidence, but they're really able to do it for other people. So if you're trying to be confident in your own ideas, but still humble, does that mean that you expect them to be like kind of, you know, open-minded and listening for that kind of critique to come on the back end? Or does that humility have to lead with like how they present their ideas? I think that being humble doesn't mean, doesn't contradict uh, being self-confident and opinionated. Uh, I have one sentence that I always like to use in the job descriptions, and I also had an article on that on LinkedIn, uh, uh, strong opinions weekly held. I do want people who are opinionated, who knows what they're doing, and they have opinions. But the, the, the thing is, you want people to have strong opinions, but still be open to get feedback. The problem becomes when you have opinions, but you're not open to hear anyone else and consider that there may be other ideas that are valid. When you are open for discussion, for real discussion and to hear ideas, that's, that's where you need to, to be. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's a very good way to, to uh, kind of thread the needle there in what can be a very dicey, um, very dicey path for a lot of people. I feel like they just aren't quite sure how to walk that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, all right, so one of the last questions we have, we only have three minutes left. Um, this person had asked, how do you help someone find their passion and grow from it to be able to apply it while building amazing products? Yeah, so I, what they what usually uh, try to do, I mean, not, not all the time, but once in a while to try to kind of question people about how things are going for them. What makes them happy? Even you know, like you can ask them on a one-on-one, -on -one, what was good last week? What was not so good? What makes you excited and motivated versus what demoralizes you? And, and you kind of make them think about what are the things that they really like to do and they're passionate about. And that's where you try to kind of stimulate their brain to think about, okay, where do you want to be in a few years? 
it's basically thinking about what are the things that are exciting you and you like to do. Uh, even looking at other people that inspire you and thinking about, okay, who inspires you? Who would you like to become one day? That helps kind of people to think about, okay, I really think this person is someone I would like to become someday like. So it helps them think about where they want to go in their, uh, in their careers. I think that's a really, that's a, a very important thing. And I feel like it's not something that a lot of leaders do, um, people in leadership positions. I mean, I was in the work industry for geez, almost eight years before I ever had a boss that asked me what my five-year plan was before I ever had anybody that was like, so what do you want to do next? Or where are you hoping to go with this or whatever? Um, so yeah, it's definitely something very important for, for people in leadership roles to think about is, is helping start those conversations and start that, that thought train for your employees so that not only are you not having to guess what, where they want their careers to go, but they're also thinking about it in a more proactive way so that you can be a part of that help. You can be a part of that ladder that, that helps them climb and helps them advance their careers. So yeah, thank you so much. Um, okay, so we are at the end of our time today. Um, but I do want to say thank you so much to Lamora for joining us um, and taking time out of your busy schedule to share some of your wisdom with us. So thank you so much. Um, and I do want to say thank you to the rest of our community members who joined us on the chat today. Remember, this will be um, this has been recorded, so it'll be being sent out to you um, in a couple days. Lamora, is there anything that you'd like to leave our audience with today? Uh, I want to thank everyone for joining and uh, encourage everyone really to think about what you want to do and what do you need in order to get there? Because a lot of us are just get bogged down to the day to day and we don't think about what will happen in a year and three years from now. So try to spend some time thinking with yourself where you wanna get and how do you get there? What do you need in order to get there? And make sure that you ask your manager for support because that's their job. Their job is to support you. Thank you so much, Lamore. Um, I put a couple links into the chat so you can check, up some, check out some of our upcoming virtual events if you'd like. Um, and hopefully you'll be joining us later today because we have another chat and learn starting, I believe, at 2. So thank you so much, guys. See you Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.